From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come warm yourself by the fire. You are among friends. Kevin Reeve is the CEO and founder of On Point Tactical Tracking School, and he's standing by, I believe, in Utah uh, to discuss urban survival. So let's say the lights go out. It's a zombie apocalypse, metaphorically speaking, and you need the skills to avoid capture, to escape capture, and to survive, stay alive in the urban jungle. He'll be here to share those skills with us. Uh, just a reminder, there is no hangout on air tonight. Repeat, no HOA tonight, but Albert Vinzel, my producer, will be back next week, and we will resume the HOA where you can live stream video of this radio program on YouTube. It's really cool. Uh, if you haven't checked it out uh, up until now, please do so, but that, that will resume next week. Hey, thanks to all of you who came out to my event tonight. Uh, the Bilderbergs at the J.J.R. McLeod Auditorium at the University of Toronto. A great turnout to see Daniel Estulin and the premiere of his uh, new documentary film, Bilderberg the Movie. Uh, keep an eye on the live events page at strangeplanet.ca for, uh, for more upcoming uh, live presentations. In fact, next month, May 21st, I will be hosting an event uh, with, uh, well, it's, it's uh, being presented by Conspiracy Culture. And it features uh, David Paulid, uh, Paulides, the uh, the author of Missing 411, Unexplained Disappearances of Missing Persons. Uh, you've heard him on uh, Coast to Coast many times. Again, this is a conspiracy culture presentation, May 21st. Check out the uh, the live events page at strangeplanet.ca. Uh, get on up to the Conspiracy Show website, strangeplanet.ca, uh, and click on the radio page. And up at the top is our slide carousel. Uh, where Albert and I have posted our usual assortment of tantalizing tidbits. There's a piece from Vogue magazine about NSA leaker Edward Snowden and how he was able to uh, flee to Russia and remain hidden in the Moscow airport thanks to the efforts of WikiLeaks editor Sarah Harrison. Uh, So in this piece, again, Vogue magazine, uh, it's really about her. And, well, some consider her to be a political heroine and others an accomplice to treason. So you read the article and decide for yourself. Uh, that's just one of the stories you'll find posted in the slide carousel on the website. Again, that's strangeplanet.ca. Once you get there, that's the landing page. Just click on the radio page. Okay, let's talk urban survival. Kevin Reeve is the founder and director of On Point Tactical Tracking School. He's provided training for law enforcement, uh, the U.S. military in the arts of tracking, survival, escape, and evasion and urban operations. Uh, prior to founding On Point Tactical, Kevin worked for one of the top tracking schools in America. He spent eight years as a director at this program and was responsible for the, instru- the instructor staff there. Kevin has also worked at Apple Computer for five years, doing organizational development and executive coaching, as well as platform training and curriculum development. Kevin has also been involved in scouting for over 25 years, including 15 years as a scoutmaster. He will be teaching an urban escape and evasion course on May 12th to the 14th, 2016, in Montreal. And this class will provide leading-edge skills to civilians who live or work in challenging urban environments or may who find themselves in a destabilizing urban area during a crisis. Kevin Reeve, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? 
Doing well, thank you. Appreciate having me on. Uh, tell me about On Point Tactical Tracking School. Well, On Point Tactical is a uh, school that was originally designed for military. We started off teaching um, some of the elite military groups concepts of tracking and urban survival. And then after uh, Hurricane Katrina, we opened it up to the, to the general public. And so um, we have three main curriculums, the scout curriculum, uh, we have an urban curriculum, and we have a tracking curriculum. So we teach um, human tracking. I guess you'd call it pursuit tracking. We teach um, a bunch of skills related to patrolling and um, reconnaissance in the wilderness, and we teach urban survival and urban escape and evasion. Would you consider yourself to be a prepper? I mean, that term is so politically charged these days. Anyone who, who stores food and water now is, seems to be looked at like there's some kind of lunatic. I think there's a, there's, I call it a normal biasy out there. People just, uh, I don't know, they, they, they look we, strangely at, at, at those of us who think we need to, to put a few things away and be, and get ready. Yeah, I mean, I consider myself a prepper because I do that. I mean, what's funny about it, though, is my parents, who were, who were raised in the Depression, just did that as a matter of course. It was just what everybody did back then. You had a cellar full of canned fruit and vegetables and things that you grew in your garden, and, and that seemed to be the norm back in those days. But nowadays it's looked at as a, as a, as a form of hoarding or something. It's true, and that's because our parents' generation had their metal tested. They had, uh, you know, a depression and then the Second World War, uh, and mm-hmm. subsequent generations have not had their metal tested, but I fear that is going to change. I think the, the next generation is going to have their metal tested perhaps like no other. What are your thoughts? No, I agree. Uh, we, it, it, what we are doing now is not sustainable. We are headed for some form of... Uh, demise and i can't tell you exactly where or how i just know that, it, that what we're doing can't be sustained and what concerns you the most is when you talk about sustainability is it uh, for example uh the grid system that is uh, has not been hardened and and is just waiting for some sort of a natural cataclysm or a man-made uh, cataclysm or is it the, or is it the economy which seems to be sort of mired in in uh, re- recession, although, you know, all the mainstream media says, oh, we're doing fine, but clearly we're not. Yeah, I mean, take your pick. The FBI announced today that the electrical grid was extremely susceptible to a terrorist attack. I thought that was, I mean, it, the fact that they're announcing that is an indication that it's probably way worse than they're announcing. Um, and then, um, you know, you, 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 what I say we can't sustain is, is our economic growth. We just can't keep going. Uh, as we've been going, it's all it's all a house of cards, and and then you know there's the possibility of a pandemic, there's the possibility of of uh, war. It, I, I look around at the world and I say, is it safer now than it was ten years ago, or is it less safe? And I would have to say that it is less safe. All right, when you, I mean, you're consulting and working with uh, local police departments and the military. You've worked with. Uh-huh. Navy, Navy SEALs, Teams 1, 2, 3, I mean, you name it, you've been there. Um, yeah. What are they, I mean, what are you tr- training them to do? How are you working with them, and why do they come to Kevin Reeve? What, do you, what is it that you can offer them? Well, for, for a long time, there was no, um, not a whole lot of tracking being caught in the military. 
and that's a that's a real force multiplier. So uh, I started off teaching math, but I also had uh, a, a good friend who was a he was a Marine Scout sniper who then uh, when he got out went to Israel and uh, became a, a member of their special forces, and he convinced me that we needed to teach escape and evasion in an urban environment because all the escape and evasion teachings were based on a wilderness setting. A plane goes down in the middle of nowhere and they have to escape and evade from enemy forces. So we did the same thing in an urban environment. And that has been our most popular class, both with the military and with uh, uh, with civilians. Because everybody lives in the city now. You know, a hundred years ago, it was... 20% 20% of the population lives in cities and 80s is rurally, and now it's just the opposite. So if something bad happens while you're in a city, you want to be prepared how to uh, to know how to take care of yourself and move through that city without putting yourself at great risk. Urban survival, escape, and evasion. Uh, the, yes, the urban jungle. Uh, whenever I talk to, uh, to preppers or survivalist specialists, I always ask them this question, and it seems to me they're... It sort of breaks down into two camps. I'd like to know where you are. And that is uh, when the big one hits, whatever that is, if it's a pandemic, if it's the zombie apocalypse, whatever you want to call it, uh, are you for hunkering down and staying put, or do you have a uh, a bug-out bag and, a, uh, and, a, and a, a place off the grid somewhere in the woods? The answer is both. Um, I believe that if you are married with uh, children, the chances of you being able to successfully bug out, unless you have advanced notice, are pretty slim. I mean, there's just not going to be, if if you're in the center of L.A. and a major earthquake hits and, and all 10 million people are trying to get out of, out of L.A. at the same time, you're not going to, you're not going to succeed. And if you're on foot because the infrastructure is destroyed, you know, you're going to be lucky to get five miles a day with children. So I look at it and say, you know, unless I have uh, advanced warning, I'm probably not going to get out. So um, I suggest most people be prepared to to hunker down and wait it out for a while until it becomes uh, clear and and they can bug out if they have a place to go. I I chose to move to a location that would be um, already a safe location about five years ago. And so I moved out to a mountain, a little mountain town in, in southern Utah about five years ago to, because uh, I used to live in New Jersey, which is between a rock and a hard place. Rock being New York, hard place being D.C. And um, I had no chance there. But now at least I can hunker down for a while. So unless you're willing to make that decision now, now and, and, and move out and you've got some property somewhere, Unless you're willing to do that now, because other, as you say, otherwise you're not going to be able to react to uh, whether it's a, a mass coronal ejection that's going to knock out the grid. We can't anticipate that. We'll get no warning. So we got to make that decision now. Is that the idea? Right. And that's kind of how I see it. I think, uh, I think you know, everybody's situation is a little different, and everybody will have to make those decisions on their own. But for me, it looks to me to be a place uh, to the wisest thing to do is get to a place where I can be safe now um, because I was in such a hopeless location before. I was in southern New Jersey, and that is just not a good place from a survival perspective. I, I, I don't know your your personal situation. Married, children? 
Uh, yeah, married children, and um, I travel for my job, so I'm all over the the uh, I'm all over the country. In fact, I'm coming to Montreal in May. I have to tell you, for those listeners in Canada, um, that is uh, that is just my lifestyle. So. My big issue will be getting home from some distant location. Right. Uh, but one of the things that I, o- I also talk to, to preppers and survivalists about is forming networks and communities. For example, we can't all be jack-of-all-trades um, and, you know, master of none. You can't, uh, you know, so the idea is that you want to, you want to uh, if you're going to be out in the boonies, you want to be able to network and maybe have build a community so you, you know a guy. He's a dentist. Over here, you know somebody who can fix a generator. Yep, I have uh, we have a company motto, and the first two of them actually. The first one is training trumps gear, and that means that it's better to be trained than than equipped because your training will get you through, even without the equipment. But the second part of it is that community trumps training, and what I mean by that is I can't do everything, regardless of how well trained I am. I can't cook, um, wash the dishes, care for the do the medical care do the security, you know, chop the wood, tend the garden. I can't do everything. You have to have economy of skill. You have to have communities. And so I'm a big advocate of forming communities now. We've been working with a lot of people in our own community just in terms of training and preparation for any kind of an event, and the event really isn't that important as, as, as much as the effect of the event. And uh, we encourage everybody to do that, you know, get together with like-minded folks, have conversations, spend time together. And I, I, a lot of people focus on on militia-type training or gun-type training. That's, that's a, a small aspect of it. It's all around, it's all about learning how to be self-sufficient, uh, how, to, how to plant a garden and grow your own produce, how to pre- preserve that, you know, how to take care of one another medically deal with disease and, and injury. And, and so there's a, a whole bunch of stuff other than guts. And that's, uh, if I have a criticism of the travel community, it's way too much emphasis on, on that. I do think there's a place for it, but it's just one aspect of that. Absolutely. Uh, Kevin Reeve is with us, the founder and director of On Point Tactical Tracking School, and uh, we'll tell you about his upcoming event in May in Montreal. On the other side, Richard Serrett, The Conspiracy Show, Don't Go Away. Where there's smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serra. We are back with Kevin Reeve, founder, director of On Point Tactical Tracking School. He provides training to law enforcement, SAR teams, the U.S. military in the arts of tracking, survival, escape, and evasion, and urban operations. And he's now offering this uh, knowledge and these skills uh, to the public, and you're coming to uh, Montreal, just down the uh, the 401 east of where I'm sitting, uh, Kevin, in May. Uh, tell me more about that. Well, we do our urban escape and evasion class, which is our kind of flagship class, um, May 12th to 14th. And uh, we've reduced the cost considerably for Canadians because of the, uh, the current exchange rate. And uh, it's normally uh, 795 U.S., and it's down to 495 U.S. to uh, allow those in Canada to have a chance. Yeah, we're getting hammered. We are getting hammered. Ah, oh, it's like un- I've never seen it that bad. 
I don't know if it's been that bad in the past, but it, it seems unusually bad for Canadians right now. Well, uh, yeah, it, it, we are a, uh, we still, uh, 150 years into our existence, we remain drawers of water and hewers of wood. We are so tied to, uh, the energy sector that, uh, right. no, no, uh, no light at the end of this tunnel, unfortunately. Well, and, and, and the collapse of oil prices has exactly, that's has exactly pretty much killed all of the shale oil. Indeed. Uh, boom that was going on. So, yeah, I know it's a tough, it's a tough world right now. It is, uh, and and you know we were talking about you know the the economic uh, situation, and and you know a lot of people read the Wall Street Journal and think, well, it's steady as she goes, and and but I just don't see it. I mean, I think uh, with China, they're uh, they're uh, almost in a panic situation, and they're the only thing that's really keeping <laughs> the world economy afloat right now. So uh, we are all in for as as we mentioned earlier, some some tough times. So. Give us a sort of a glimpse into some of these uh, th- this course that you'll be offering in Montreal in May. Uh, and, and well, the idea is that you might be in an, uh, overseas traveling and encounter uh, overthrow of the government, but it could be a, a local event. It could be something just in your own town. It could be a nationwide event, a terrorist event, a, me- a big earthquake. It doesn't matter. Anything that dil- disrupts the delivery of goods and services. We'll call the event, and this is a class on how to uh, prepare yourself, essentially, to travel through a city without um, without a ton of uh, of equipment. You know, the idea is to try and teach yourself how to live as minimally as possible. But you know, some very basic things. But we teach you how to escape from custody in case you're unlawfully detained, uh, how to get out of handcuffs and plastic cuffs and rope and and uh, duct tape and things like that. We we go into uh, lock picking to get you resources. Everything you need to survive exists in the city. You don't have to go to another city to find it. You just have to get to it. So we teach lock picking. We teach um, people how to uh, defeat the ignition of cars so that you can obtain transportation to get home. Now, all of this is predicated upon the fact that we have lost the rule of law, which will happen shortly after any kind of major event. Yeah, that's important to point out, that you're not training petty thieves Criminals. here. <laughs> exactly, yes. Yeah, we, we screen pretty carefully in that respect. Um, you know, we don't allow anybody with a, that's a convicted felon to take the class because of uh, just some liability issues that we don't want to deal with. So we, we screen, we, we try and keep everybody... Um, above board on why they're learning it but the, the, the skills are the same either way so you know after uh, hurricane katrina struck most of the police force went home to take care of their families and i don't blame them but that left new orleans without any law enforcement and right. that's what i would expect in a situation where um where an event occurs and and uh, the grid as we know it goes down the problem is that when there is no rule of law, people behave poorly. And um, you need to be prepared for that. You need to be prepared for people who have no consequences for their behavior. That's right. That's what I call the zombie apocalypse, is when the lights go out. And the first, you know, people are actually kind of civil and helpful uh, until their stomach is empty. And then, mm-hmm. as you say, all hell breaks loose. That's to me, is the, the zombie apocalypse, when you have hordes of angry hungry people running around uh, who will do anything and who wouldn't right. want to eat. And, that, and that's that's your next-door neighbor. 
that's mm-hmm. the that's the guy who's always been uh, you shared the carpool with. You know, that's we we think everybody's going to remain civilized, and and in fact, in most societal breakdowns, we go through about four phases, four or five phases. The first phase is is a cooperation phase where everybody's trying to help each other out, and and that could go twenty four hours to a week, depending on on how serious the situation, but following that is a suspicion phase where people are uh, not quite distrustful, but a little bit more suspicious, and they're not quite as helpful. They're thinking more of their own family and so forth, and then we get into, if no help arrives and no resources are restored, we get an anarchy phase where everybody is out on their own, you know, and, and trying to get their own resources and feed their own family. And that's a really dangerous phase because people will do anything. That's what you were saying. And then the the next phase is is tribalism, where people start to self-organize and group up according to, um, uh, you know, either social class or race or whatever. This is not a. This is just history. I'm not. Yeah, this I'm is the ugly history. underbelly of of the human existence or the human condition. Mm-hmm. And then eventually what will happen is people will start to consolidate power and you'll end up with warlords and, and that kind of situation. So that's kind of how society goes through a, a, a collapse. And, you know, sometimes there's government to step in and reinforce and return to normalcy after even the suspicion phase, and sometimes there isn't. Um, so if you look at recent events in the... Oh, Argentina, what's happening in Venezuela right now, you're seeing pretty much just them moving into the tribal phase. There's, they're, they're in the anarchy right now, and, and you're going to start seeing groups form for self-protection. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's really quite predictable, and it's very interesting. But our class is designed to teach you how to recognize where you are and prepare yourselves um, for, for those eventualities by... Um, by having some skills that will that will get you through. Now, most of us, I, I shouldn't say most of us, uh, myself, I can speak clearly about myself, not in the greatest uh, physical shape. You know, I shouldn't be, I should be in far better shape uh, as sort of the protector of the family. Uh, but how important is, is having, uh, you know, the ability to, um, well, stamina certainly is important, but just physical strength. Well, it's all, it, it, it's, Endurance is probably more important than physical strength, but being in good shape is is crucial. You know, I have uh, I was talking with a, a special operations guy yesterday uh, that uh, I spent some time with, and we were talking about the fact that uh, most people, if they had to walk 20 miles home from work, would be completely destroyed by the effort. Right. You know, just getting home from work 20 miles would destroy their feet, they wouldn't be able to walk for three days, they'd have horrible blisters, and they, and and that is going to be a huge issue. Uh, if you are traveling with children, you may have to be carrying your backpack and your child. And um, you know, everybody assumes that, that they can just throw on their pack and go, never having done it before, or not having done it for a long time. I make no illusions about that for myself. I understand exactly what my limitations are. And so, um, consequently, you know, most people will overestimate their physical condition and their capabilities in terms of movement and dramatically underestimate the complexity of traveling with children. 
Excellent point. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just getting so that, getting him to school and back is a military maneuver. <laughs> yeah, I, seriously. Think about think about the logistics of living on a trail, on the trail with three or four kids um, of varying ages, from from infant to toddler to young teen. You know what what kinds of complexity that will add. That's just going to be very difficult. Well, so if there ever was a time uh, for all of us, you know, middle-aged parents and or anyone really, it's time to get in shape. You know, if there's ever a, a greater motivation, I don't know what is, than, you know, a possible breakdown in social order and all that's standing between you and the mob is, you know, whether you can uh, hike through the woods with a with your child on your back. I mean, that's a motivating factor. People need, we all need to get in shape now. Yeah, that's very true. What's in your your bug out bag? Let's say, for example, um, uh, my um, uh, had family that recently flew into uh, Istanbul uh, just for an hour on their way to uh, to Europe to get a connecting flight. But that, I mean, that's a, that's kind of a dicey place right now. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's say, God for fans, something happens um, at an airport or at a hotel in a place like Istanbul. What do you what, What's in your bug out bag? What do you need to have with you? Well, I, I, I base it this on a set of priorities that we've identified as essential in an urban environment. Your first priority is your immediate security. So if someone's shooting at you, you need to get behind cover. If somebody's chasing, you need to run. If the building's on fire, you need to get outside. That doesn't necessarily require anything in a bug out bag. It's just a, a mindset. The second thing, I have to do a medical check. I've just been in some kind of intense event and I need to check myself medically and treat myself. So first aid, I, I have two different levels of first aid. One is a trauma kit, which is designed for treating gunshot and knife wounds. It is a very specific kit. Uh, and the second is a first aid kit, which is for cutting, treating cuts and bruises, and, and we call it the boo-boo kit. It's, it's designed for general first aid. And uh, so first aid, the, the third thing I need to to consider is self-defense. I need to be able to protect myself in a grid-down scenario because there will be a lot of people who are operating without any restraint, and I need to be ready to defend myself and my family from them. Everybody has a different take on what that means. For me, where I live, that means I carry a gun. But um, not everybody has that freedom, flexibility. So you may have to improvise a weapon, depending on where. If you're in Istanbul, you probably don't even have a knife with you. You're going to have to, to sit, sit down really quickly and put together something you can use for self-defense. It might be putting a rock inside a pair of socks, but something that you can use in the event of someone um, coming after you. Uh, then uh, we're going to start looking at our physical needs, attending to our physical needs of, of shelter, water, warmth, and food. And so those... I have the items in my kit for those things. I have a tarp to make a shelter. Uh, I have what's called a wubby or a, a poncho liner as a blanket, and everybody has their own. And um, that's our shelter. We have uh, water purification, a, a very small shelter. Uh, if you don't mind my missing the name, it's the Sawyer uh, personal filter. That's fine, yep. And um, I carry... Fire starting capability. I have a uh, steel striker and cotton balls with uh, Vaseline on them to start fires. 
I have knives, uh, several knives. Just I'm a knife guy, so I carry a lot of knives, um, different sizes and different purposes. I have a multi-tool. Most useful tool in the urban environment by far is a multi-tool. It's some, one thing I would never go anywhere without. What we used to call like a Swiss Army knife. It's got a screwdriver yeah. and a pair of scissors and a, several switchblades all in one. Yeah. Yeah, the ones I have are, are there's like a Leatherman. It's got uh, a pair of pliers on it and scissors and screwdrivers and knives and files. So that's always with me. and I, I just can't imagine not being able to have that around. And then I carry um, um, food. In this case, it's high-density energy bar kind of things in my go bag so that I have like a three-day supply, like 12 uh, of these energy bars. I've just found a new one that I'm really fond of, and so I'm in the process of replacing them all. But those things are worth their weight in gold because... Uh, you, food's a low priority, but not having it makes you miserable. True enough. All right, we um, we're going to take another uh, time out, and okay. uh, when we come back, we'll we'll um, remind folks again about this upcoming uh, event in Montreal in May with Kevin Reeve, who is the founder director of On Point Tactical Tracking School, and uh, the website is onpointtactical.com, and we've linked up to that on our website here at strangeplanet.ca. Back with more in a moment. Don't go away. Big Brother is listening, and so are you, to The Conspiracy Show. We are back with Kevin Reeve, founder, director, On Point Tactical Tracking School. We're talking about urban tracking, survival, escape, and evasion. And it's so important to, to be thinking about the urban environment now, since we are no longer a rural people. We don't live on the farms. We are all huddled and herded into these teeming population centers. Let's talk about pandemics here for a moment, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know that's something that, that you know, you're concerned about. And in 2014, of course, we had the Ebola scare, and more recently, the Zika virus. Although, you may disabuse me of this, I'm starting to think that whole Zika virus thing was much ado about nothing, and maybe part of some grander scheme. I mean, Zika's been around since, well, we've known about it for 70, 80 years. But anyway... What on the horizon in terms of a pandemic do you have your eyes on? Well, I'm looking for Ebola. That was a, we were close. I was very, very concerned that it might break out. Um, but it'll be something like that. It'll be a, a virus that mutates and uh, transmits itself into the human form and spreads through the population like a virus does. And the Earth's population tends to self-correct every so often. Mm, yeah. And we're overdue for that. It's just a fact. We put it off with the development of antibiotics for treating bacterial infections, but the fact of the matter is that there's a lot of possibilities in the viral environment. There's, I mean, it's just, there's always mutations occurring. So something's going to hit and it'll spread. And given the rapidness with which we transport ourselves around the world, chances are it will probably spread around the world quickly, becoming a pandemic rather than an epidemic. And then we will have to deal with uh, with those situations. And really, if you live in a city and uh, you haven't prepared in any way for a, for a pandemic, then you're probably just going to get swept up like everybody else with, uh, with the disease. 
Now these these pandemics, um, I guess historically, sort of burn themselves out in about ninety days. Pretty uh, typically, yes. Yeah. So then we have to start thinking about if we're gonna if we're not gonna bug out, we're gonna hunker down and stay put for ninety days. Right. Uh, I mean, and you talk about social distancing. Uh, talk to me about that. And what we what should what we should do. Social distancing is is a form of isolation, self-imposed, a quarantine, as it were, that allows you to stay away from anybody who might be able to transmit the virus to you. So it means essentially going into your house, closing your door, and not coming out until the 90 days is up, which requires some very specialized preparation. You know, you've got to have a 90-day supply of food. You've got to have uh, over-the-counter medications and so forth to deal with any sicknesses that occur while you're in there uh, or injuries. You have to have water for 90 days, assuming that, you know, depending on where you're at and what your situation is, you may not have an endless supply of water. Uh, water services may fail after a pandemic occurs and people can't get to work and keep those services running. So you have to have a certain amount of, of self-sufficiency ready to go before the pandemic occurs. The worst thing I can imagine is having to run down to the store and try and buy water and food because you haven't got any and then exposing yourself to the people who are already contagious. I would imagine that, that the, the, the virus, of course, or a pandemic would be, would be bad enough, but it's not the, the, the virus that would be, and would end up killing most people. It would be, again, the breakdown in social order when the hospitals close because they don't have staff to run them because they're afraid and they're staying home. Ditto the police and the fire, uh, and the people that watch over the criminals and so forth. It's that breakdown in social order from the fear of the pandemic. Right. Now, here's an interesting, um, statistic that I, and I can't remember where I got this, but I, I got it from a magazine when I was in LA. I just don't remember which one. But it, they said they have a total of about 93,000 hospital beds in LA County that service 10 million people. Wow. 93,000 beds, 10 million people. All right, so let's do uh, some math here. They say that in most hospitals, the occupancy rate is about 70%. So 93, let's say there's 70,000 beds, which leaves a surge capacity of twenty five or 30,000 beds. Mm-hmm. That's on a good day. Mm-hmm. If there's an emergency of any kind, that those hospitals will so quickly be overrun, overwhelmed, uh, incapable of helping people, uh, that um, you will not be able to go to uh, a doctor or a hospital to get medical care. You will have to be able to take care of yourself. And, by the way, in the... In the uh, my my wife's great grandmother always talked about hospitals as places you go to die. In her <laughs> mind, the, the hospital in the 30s and the 20s and the teens, when she was a child, that's where you went. That's where people went and died. That's true. Uh, we're places. coming up on a break here, Kevin, but I I agree. I mean, if you're sick, that's the last place I want to be. Anyway, we'll come There's back. A pandemic. Don't Absolutely. Go to the Absolutely. Kevin Reeve, founder director, On Point Tactical Tracking School. Back with more of the Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Kevin Reeves stays with us, founder, director, On Point Tactical Tracking School, onpointtactical.com. And uh, he's teaching the public how to um, how to survive in the urban jungle, e- evasion, escape, survival, 
uh, tracking, all very important skills to have, never more important, uh, as we're staring some, well, pick pick your cataclysm. Is it uh, an EMP event? Is it uh, an earthquake? Uh, is it a pandemic? Is it um, an economic tsunami which breaks down social order? Uh, even if it's something comparatively minor, something, um, you know, that, that'll pass in three or four days, like a, like a blackout, and we've experienced those right here in Ontario. What is the harm in being prepared and having, just like our ancestors did and our parents, having a store of water and food and, and, and knowing some basic first aid? It's just, these are just life skills, and we have forgotten them, and now is the time uh, to get them back. Uh, Kevin, I was watching on YouTube, Actually, it was a, a story on World Net Daily, and it was about in, in Denmark they have uh, these schools for for kindergarten uh, kids, aged kids, four and five uh-huh. years old. They're called forest kindergartens, and when foreigners go and see how they conduct the, uh, these uh, kindergarten classes outdoors in freezing temperature in the rain, kids running around learning to use knives to whittle, being left uh, almost unattended, although they're being watched to climb trees to do what they want. Uh, they're shocked and amazed, but I'm thinking they're onto something, and I and it's just starting. We're starting to see some of these forest kindergartens in the United States. I think maybe there's a couple, but in 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 Denmark they're like 10%. Uh, and to me, this is part of the problem: is uh, is we um, we we bubble wrap our kids, and we're so we're all so soft. We're just it's not going to take much to sort of bring this society to a to a screeching halt. Right, we have we have create we have become a society that seeks for comfort above all else. We've taken away everything that can cause us pain, that can co- and we never do hard things. And our kids are raised playing with Xbox instead of a tackle box, and they never go fishing, they never go hiking in in the woods. They're they're outdoor averse because they haven't. I mean, I grew up making tree houses and riding bikes in the neighborhood and. And, uh, you know, all those things that kids in the 60s did. And, uh, you know, kids today, the helicopter moms don't want them getting dirty, so they don't go play in the backyard. And consequently, they don't ever do anything tough, anything hard. And uh, they grow up delicate so that they have to have quiet rooms if somebody presents a thought that's different than what they're used to. That's right. You're microaggressing me. Please stay away. I don't want to hear <laughs> a different <laughs> thought that's contrary to my own. If someone tells me I'm microaggressing them, I will go straight to macroaggressing. <laughs> I knew I liked you. <laughs> uh, well, what about? Inter- I mean, it brings me to the point of why aren't we introducing these skills back into the schools? E- even things like learning to can. Which is a, a completely lost art, right? I grew up in scouting, and uh, I was talking to uh, a student recently about that. I said, "Look, the great thing about scouting was I got out and went camping once a month. I went on a fifty-mile hike every summer, and that was hard. That was really hard. And and you learn how to do hard things like that, then that toughens you up. It prepares you for those events that are coming. And uh, I." I strongly advocate for, for scouting for both uh, young girls and young men, both, and get out, get involved in an outdoor program. There are a number of wilderness survival schools. I do a little wilderness survival training, but I don't do children 
but there's uh, uh, we don't teach our kids enough of that, and there's a number of them out there. And I would just encourage you to do a Google search on wilderness survival training for children and find uh, find some of them. I know that up in Washington State, there are home schools that focus on that. There, I know in uh, uh, up in New Hampshire, there are some as well. But it's just a matter of finding them. But I know they're there. And if you are interested in getting your kids toughened up, then get them outdoors. Nothing else. Nothing else works. No, exactly. And, and we, we seriously, we need to introduce some of these skill sets back into the school system. Uh, you know, learning. Mm-hmm. We, uh, my boys and I, we, our, my mother-in-law is is with us. Uh, and she's of a certain age, you know, grew up during the Depression, the war, a civil war in Greece. And, uh, she's, she's teaching my, my, my little nine-year-old guy, one of them, to, to darn socks. You know, just a there simple skill like learning to sew, uh, is so important. Yeah, that's a great, great example, you know. We live in a disposable society, and, and I grew up with a, my parents used to say, if I can remember this, um, I can't remember the, Make do or do without, uh, use it up, and yeah, something like that. But you know, essentially, it was. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm astounded that I can't remember because I heard it every day of my life for the first twelve years. Of my life. <laughs> you, you blocked it out. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I might have, but it was one. Essentially, you know, uh, uh, learn how to de- how to deal with what you have. Right. And, right. Uh, learn how to repair things and fix things, and and don't just live in a disposable society. Darning socks is a great example. It is. It is. Um, what has you the most concerned uh, right now as you read the news, hear the news? What are you most concerned about? I think the presidential race is looking to be a very violent affair before the before the election is over. Uh, I just worry about um, the, the level of discourse, the, the, or the lack of discourse, the level of anger that I see going on, I think that could really disrupt things in the major cities of the United States. Uh, so that concerns me. I am fully expecting major bad news on the economy any time. And it hasn't happened yet, but I expect it. Uh, it could be China. could start there. I, I'm concerned about war. Um, I'm concerned about Japan and China and the Vietnam and China and, and that blowing up. I'm very concerned about uh, ongoing troubles in the Middle East. I, it's, I look at the world right now and I say, well, spin the cylinder and pull the trigger. It's going to be one of them. Right, right. Yeah, it's pretty, yeah, it seems uh, and pretty I, dire. I really, I mean, I don't know what will trigger it, but uh, when it triggers, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get ugly. Are you a, uh, a gold bug? Uh, silver bug. Yeah, yeah. It does. Uh, it does uh, tend to outperform gold if you can. If you can ride the wild, uh, yeah. climbs the wall of worry. Yep, yep. So you know, I mean, it's just a. It's just an additional defense. I. I, I would rather have things in, in hard. Uh, assets like food, but, you know, it's good to have a little bit of everything. Diversification, I guess. Uh, tell us again about the uh, the upcoming event in May and how do people sign up for that? Uh, they go onto the website onpointtactical.com and look for the Montreal class. 
It uh, runs a Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and um, it should be a hoot. It's, it is really fun. Two days of classroom, one day of field exercise, and the field exercise is an adult version of hide-and-go-seek. It is You're just out in the city being chased. Uh, you have to escape from custody. There's just a whole series of events that allow you to practice and, and apply all the stuff that you learned the first two days. And this is adults only. This is not a family affair, or can you bring children? Yeah, it, we could we could go with you know older teens, but it's mostly uh, designed as an adult affair because of the the intensity of it. It's uh, it's not with. I mean, it, it's it's asta- astonishing. You know, it's a uh, you know it's a practice event. You know, it's a uh, simulation, but it doesn't stop your heart from racing, and people get really really wound up in the process and it's really fun what about um uh learning i mean you talked about a first aid kit and and you know it doesn't take long to learn how to deal with cuts and abrasions but when you're you had you talked about a trauma kit Mm -hmm. uh that i would i would think would take obviously some more advanced training how does one uh without going to medical school learn how to to use a trauma kit there google google it um, there are a whole bunch of people out there doing some really good medical training. And, um, you know, you want to find combat casualty care. Uh, it's called TCCC is the, is the name. Um, Trauma Combat Casualty Care. And that is uh, the military name for it, but there's a lot of former military guys who are teaching that to civilians. And that's a great start. Uh, then you need to learn how to do some long-term care. We have a class called... Um, off-grid medical, which teaches you how to deal with a situation where there is no higher care. Everything that you learn now is stabilize and transport to higher care. But if you are the higher care, what do you have to do? And so we'll have that, another version of that class in, in the fall. That's a really exciting class. It's uh, taught by a medical doctor, and you learn how to do suturing and, and uh, reinflating collapsed lungs and and uh, all the way down to amputations. Wow. That's not for the squeamish. No, it's not. It really is not. If you have a weak stomach, this probably wouldn't be the best class for you. uh, But it seems like becoming fully prepared, and it's an absolute essential, but it seems like it's a full, it's got to be, you got to make it a full-time job, or am I wrong? It's kind of a lifestyle. I mean, I I hate to sell it that way because then people go, yeah, I'm not too interested in that. But, you know, you really have to, be prepared to devote some time and effort. You have to be effective uh, medically. You have to have um, good understanding of how to store food and how to rotate and so forth. You have there's a there's a whole ser- series of skills around preparedness that that uh, most people. I mean, they just think if they have a bunch of boxes of canned food in their fr- in their refrigerator, I mean, in their uh, garage, that's all they need. But there's actually a lot more to it, I think. Uh, what's in your, um, do you have like a, the one acre survival garden? Uh, if so, what, what, what's your, your top 10 fruits and vegetables? I have, I have a black thumb, but <laughs> my wife is a pretty good gardener. We have just a vegetable garden. We grow corn and, and squash and, um, beans and peas and carrots and, you know, just the usual garden strawberries, and tomatoes, lots of tomatoes. They grow very well here. So uh, we we have good years and we have bad years, you know. 
and uh, um, we ha- we dehydrate. Uh, have a dehydrator, and we bottle. I have uh, we have the pressure cookers, and we uh, we do mason jars full of vegetables and so forth. And what about protein? Do you raise the chickens, rabbits? I don't. No. Um, no, I have neighbors that do, and so we'll trade. I'm sure our, our next door neighbor has a very full chicken pen, and a couple other neighbors in the neighborhood do. It's one of those things that I would do if I were around more, but I'm traveling so much that it just is a little prohibitive. The garden is self-watering. I have a t- it's all on a timer and drip system. That I don't have to worry about. Well, Kevin, uh, I know this this conversation may be a little unsettling to some people, but the old saying, forewarned, forearmed, or for, what is it, forearmed? I'm like you, I've got a block. I heard that every day of my life as well. It's forewarned, forearmed, right? Right. Uh, But, uh, you know, again, you uh, you prepare for the worst and you hope for the best. And, um, you know, if nothing happens, hey, now you know how to darn socks and maybe field gut a moose in the uh, field gut dress a moose and and can uh, some uh, Romano tomatoes. What's wrong with that? Nothing wrong. Kevin, uh, a real pleasure. Again, let's uh, let's tell people about uh, the upcoming event in Montreal in May. Yep, let's uh, let's plan on uh, looking at our calendar and uh, going on our website, looking at the calendar, and uh, the dates are the. The um, 12th, 13th, and 14th of May in Montreal. And all they need to do is go to onpointtactical.com and they can register right there. That's correct. Kevin, a real pleasure. Thank you. I hope we'll talk again. Hey, thank you. Kevin Reeve, founder, director, On Point Tactical Tracking School, Urban Survival. All right, my website, strangeplanet.ca. That's your portal to the radio, the TV, the live events. And uh, say hello on Twitter at Richard Serrett, S-Y, because I love you, R-E-T-T. And as always, follow the truth.